Paul Newman just said to me, what are you looking at, zippy? You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 213. It's October 10th, 2019. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, we have so much to talk about this week. And as always, so many things that we can't talk about. You know, WWE kind of took that approach this week <laughs> by uh, not not mentioning their Universal Champion on Monday Night Raw until like 10.30pm. <laughs> when they were sure nobody was watching. Oh yeah, yeah, they'd run off most of the people by that point. Uh, Hell in a Cell was this past weekend, feels like it was 17 years ago already. Uh, and as fast as this business moves nowadays, it may as well have been. Uh, Hell in a Cell was a dreadful show. I don't know if that's the right way. It had, it had two good matches on it. And, uh, and, and then died a death. Um, what'd you think of Hell in a Cell? Yeah, pretty much that. Uh, especially considering, uh, I just think the match placement was awful. Especially considering, as we talked about, the build where they only announced four matches for this show on TV, or three matches. Uh, I think the fourth, the fourth was added on Twitter after SmackDown. Yes. And then they added four or five more on Twitter or on the pre-show throughout the rest of the weekend. But, um, yeah, so there were three matches that I guess they felt people would care about, and they put two of them on right at the start of the show. And then we basically had, like, a SmackDown for two and a half hours. And then we had our terrible main event. It was a very, <laughs> very poorly put together show, I thought. Yeah, so, you know, um, they just threw a ton of cold matches out there. And some of them were okay. And uh, the very problematic Randy Orton and Ali had a good finish to their match. Um, I don't really know what else to say. his notebook. Yes, it says push short in every, every other yes. page. Yes. I don't really know what to, what else to say about this. The, other than we were talking offline about how, uh, my, so I, I don't know if it's, if you completely share in this theory or not, and maybe we can discuss it since that's where the brothers of discussion here, but, uh, yes. I, I think that, Bray Wyatt as the Fiend um, should be booked as an attraction, kind of like Andre the Giant or The Undertaker, and that he doesn't really get involved in the title picture. Obviously, if you have this much television and the guy's around, he's going to be there eventually, but I was talking to you about how they built up The Undertaker originally, and I know this is, this was a different business nearly 30 years ago, but it was 30 years ago and the Undertaker's still over. And they built him, they, they built him up for a year. He didn't lose for a year. He beat freaking Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I mean, it was a screwy finish because he's a, he's a heel! But right. then they, then they hold up the title or, you know, Hogan beats him back, they hold up the title, whatever. He didn't lose for a year and then he beat Hulk Hogan. And then he didn't go after the title again for basically six more years. <laughs> right. And then, and then he had a short run, and then 
you know, even like his, you know, Teddy Long Smackdown run, uh, you know, gosh, uh, 10, 12 years ago now at this point, the title runs were short and because he doesn't need the title and he doesn't need to be booked in title matches because it hurts him because he can, uh, he adds value to the card in a way that, uh, transcends the title. And I think Bray Wyatt as the Fiend should be booked that way. And I don't think putting him basically in his second high-profile match as the Fiend, putting him in a title match, I think was stupid unless they were going to have him completely squash Seth Rollins, which is the opposite of what they did. What do you think of uh, my theory My theory about how Bray should be booked and uh, what they actually did? Well, unsurprisingly, I agree with you completely. Um <laughs> Safe bet generally on the show, but no, you're absolutely right. The, the, the more Bray Wyatt is around historically, the less special he feels. The more he has to wrestle, the less, uh, important he is. Um, and of course that's the answer, uh, is that they didn't, they've spent all summer having Seth run through, uh, you know, Brock and Corbin and Braun. And so I'm sure they're thinking, well, we don't want to beat Seth now because we built him up so big. But we also don't want to put the title on the – we also don't want to beat The Fiend. And there's a very simple solution to this, Ethan. <laughs> you don't book the G-Darn match. That's it. Yeah. No one no one forced them to tell that arena that they were going to <laughs> – That like the, no one made them do this plan. Right. They they did it, and then they didn't want to do a real finish, and so they did a terrible finish, and the crowd hated it, and they booed and chanted for refunds, and chanted for the competition, and chanted for uh, whatever else, BS. And then, as you mentioned, they tried to just not talk about it the next night on TV. So, what a waste. What a waste of everyone's time that show was. <laughs> so... Let's just review. We can beat Hulk Hogan at the tail end of his prime, but we can't beat Seth Rollins. <laughs> nah, nice. <laughs> what the hell? Well, you know, su- well, by the way, that's the other part. It's like, it would be one thing if Seth was, like, super over, and you're like, ah, it could really hurt him if we beat him here. The fans were loudly booing Seth Rollins throughout that entire match. Every time he looked like he was even going to get a one count on The Fiend. Fans did not want to see the fiends sell for Seth Rollins' offense at all. <laughs> like they really loved the fiend, they hated the idea of Seth Rollins winning, and then they really hated what they did at the finish. And that begs the question: um, Why was this? Why did this go on last, and the match that was really good and had a clean finish go on first? Can you explain that to me? I absolutely can't. I think the idea is. <laughs> is that the match that people most wanted to see was the match they put on last. Uh, but if you're going to do that, I don't know why they did that. <laughs> um, I also think maybe this should end Paul Heyman's run of laying out of laying out main event matches. <laughs> kind of seems like he's got one idea, and it's do 38 finishers. Yeah. More finishers than you'll see in a PWG... <laughs> Six man. More finishers than you'd see in any NXT main event. Yeah. Or, you know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So Seth Rollins has had, like, the 
tenth consecutive terrible pay-per-view main event <laughs> of his run. Uh, We're sure like, he's a good wrestler, right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> I thought he was. <laughs> I thought he was great at one point, and then I thought he was still really good, and now I'm not sure. Like like two or three years ago, I think when he first came back from his knee, blowing his knee out, and he just did 17 dives in every match, I was like, actually, he's not good anymore. <laughs> and, and then he kind of rebounded from that and got really good again, and then... I mean, I don't know how much evidence we need other than, like, <laughs> you know, every pay-per-view made event since WrestleMania has sucked, and what's the common denominator? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, hey, the uh, the ladies had a nice cell match in the opener. I mean, to your point about match order and laying things out, um, as they were hitting each other with every weapon <laughs> under the ring and doing every move possible... I was like, well, good luck to any and everyone trying to follow this because um, I I don't think you're going to be able to do it. And as it turns out, they didn't. But maybe you should hold back a little bit when you're in the opener. But uh, they were out there to uh, put on a classic, and I guess they did. And uh, that's a a positive takeaway from the card. Uh, Any negatives on that from you? I mean, I, I can nitpick it, so I will, because I know it'll bother you. Um, I One of the things, in, they do a spot where Sasha puts Becky's hand in a chair and stomps on it. Yeah. And then that just didn't play into the match at all. Okay. So Becky really didn't sell her hand at all or do it, like, show any sort of weakness. Like, she does a lot of suplexes and throws and her finishes, you know, grabbing onto the other woman's arm and pulling back. And there was pretty much no time where I saw her really selling that other than the instance where she actually did the move uh, on the chair on the hand. So, right. I mean, yeah, this, this is nitpicky stuff. Um, I thought overall it was a very, very good match. I think you can make an argument based on this match and the takeover match they had years ago that Sasha has had two of Becky's five best matches ever. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm, to me, I think Becky needs a Becky needs a, a, a good dance partner to. Uh, I don't necessarily. She's fundamentally very sound, but to have like a, a flashy match, she needs somebody to dance with, and I don't feel like they give her that. Or they've given her that opportunity too much over the years, unless it's been with Charlotte. Well, yeah, I mean, she spent most of her career losing to Alexa Bliss, and <laughs> then she spent all of this year trying to train Lacey Evans how to wrestle on live television and pay-per-view. So, yeah, they haven't always uh, given her the best opportunities. You know what? I haven't been watching Lacey's matches with Natty closely over the last month, but is there any truth (laughs) to the fact that Lacey is actually good now after working with Natty for a month? (laughs) I thought the best Lacey match I've seen was the one she had with Bailey on... Smackdown like a month ago. Oh, that was horrid. Well, yeah, I know. That's my point. <laughs> like, uh, I, I didn't think either. The, the, I did not see the, the last man or last woman standing match this week, so I, nor did I see the match on the pre-show of the pay-per-view. <laughs> so I can't comment on the two most recent uh, Lacey Natty matches, but the ones I saw, I thought they were fine and not very long, which I think is generally a good idea. Uh, you know, short matches are good if you have people of limited talent in the ring. 
Well, okay. Well, so inconclusive, I guess, is my my <laughs> long-winded answer to your question. All right. Just curious. Um, all right. So we've kind of torn down the pay-per-view. I don't really know. Monday's show was a treading water show. Uh, the draft show this Friday is. I do have a, I do have one more thumbs up for the pay-per-view, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, I was really glad that Daniel Bryan didn't turn. I am ready for hero Daniel Bryan to come back. I don't, I, we don't have enough heroes in wrestling anymore, and I need Daniel Bryan to be a good guy for a while. So, he has turned face without officially turning. <laughs> I think his face turn was hugging Roman Reigns after that match on, on, uh. Okay, so he did turn. Okay. You were the, he did turn. You were just happy that he didn't get, he didn't immediately turn again. Right. Well, that didn't turn out to be like a swerve where he was actually in league with Harper and Rowan or something. Ugh. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's positive. Uh, Daniel Bryan is like one of the most likable human beings on the planet. <laughs> and if Correct. he's not a heel, cool. Um, NWA power. Uh, what's your take on Billy Corgan's take on wrestling in the <laughs> year of our Lord, 2019? So I watched it. It's a, an hour long. It's a very easy to watch show. With a laugh track, right? <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some crowd sweetening. Um, <laughs> like, so here's the thing. I'm 26 years old. I don't have nostalgia for those Crockett shows. I have watched some of them. Obviously, I've seen a lot of clips. I appreciate the talent that are on those shows. But there's nothing, and I feel like a lot of that show was like geared at people who really, really loved uh, you know, Jim Crockett Promotions Wrestling, and that's not me, because I wasn't alive. So, uh, I did, like I said, I think it's an enjoyable hour of television. It was basically nothing but uh, short promos followed by short matches, introduced a lot of the characters. I thought Nick Aldis uh, cut a couple of really good promos on the show, and I am not a guy who has historically been a big Nick Aldis fan. <laughs> and then uh, in the main event, they did him and Tim Storm for the NWA Heavyweight title. And it was a fine wrestling match. Now, that's the thing, uh, is that they do not have too many people that I think you would consider the cutting edge of what wrestling is in 2019. They don't they have, have a whole lot of what you would like to call stars. Right. It is a lot of people who were maybe in other places, were stars in other places 10 to 15 years ago, like Ken Anderson and Nick Aldis. And uh, Eddie Kingston and Homicide and uh, Bram. Uh, oh, Lord. Yeah. So, and I mean, they do have a few people like Allison Kay's there, and I think she's uh, she's talented. But, um, yeah, overall, like I said, it's an easy hour to watch. I think if you have nostalgia for those old World Championship Wrestling studio shows or the Mid-Atlantic shows, it might really be in your wheelhouse, but uh, overall, yeah, it's an okay show. I think the commentary is good. They have Jim Cornette doing color there. They're good at explaining why guys are doing certain moves and why attacking a certain body part is, you know, what that does to a guy's offense and stuff like that. So it was an enjoyable hour. I don't think it's going to be appointment viewing for me going forward, but overall, I give it one thumb up. Can I ask a, que a rhetorical question about this program? <laughs> sure, sure. So, if you liked those Mid-Atlantic Mid shows, like, 
you have to be, you know, minimum like 35 years old, right? Sure. <laughs> and probably much older than that. Right. And be from a very specific part of the country. Right. So you're really narrow casting here. Do those people know how and where to find this show? <laughs> like, what the hell, man? Like, what? like you really gotta, you really gotta work to make people care, and people gotta be able to like turn on their te- turn on their television or turn on their computer and be able to find stuff with like one click or a press of a button. And right. I feel like you know they're on YouTube or whatever. That's not you know. It's not nothing, but it just feels like maybe the target audience here and the distribution uh, do not do not uh, match up. Yeah, I think that's a really fair point. Like I, that's kind of what I was dancing around. I think with my, <laughs> if yeah. you were nostalgic for that era of wrestling, or I mean, it's possible if you just you know you watch the WWE Network or you have old tapes or you see reruns of classic shows. I know ESPN Classic still shows some classic wrestling or at least they used to as of like a year or two ago. But um, so maybe if you just, you know, you're, but yeah, it does seem it is targeted at an older audience. But like I said, the presentation is very novel because it's not, because it's the opposite of what, uh, you know, a modern wrestling show is. So maybe they'll attract some viewers just with the novelty of it, even if they aren't nostalgic, but to me, my first thought was this is really being targeted at a specific type of person, and that person, as you pointed out, maybe <laughs> don't know how to work a computer so good. So it's like Billy Corrigan, who's 50, or, or Tim Storm, who's 54. Yes. It's like, does Tim Storm know how to watch his own matches? <laughs> um, good question. You know, he's, he's a teacher in elementary school, <laughs> so maybe one of the kids can show him. Maybe. Uh there is, you did bring up a nice point there about commentary pointing out what moves do to certain body parts, and I would just love to hear that on WWE television at some point. Like, even if it's just, you know, six matches a week, you can have Corey Graves and Dio Madden screaming non-sequiturs and <laughs> Michael Cole yelling about how people love to have fun. But right. just have one match on a show of it's like a technical match where you explain what the holds you're doing to the body parts. I would advocate for that. <laughs> and so that's that's nice. It's nice to hear that someone in wrestling is doing that. You would think between Excalibur and Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone on All Elite Wrestling that that would happen there. But, but I haven't heard a whole lot of that there yet. So, I mean, that obviously they're still getting their sea legs under them, but whatever. Yeah, there's a you get a little bit of that on NXT occasionally on on the rare occasions that Morrow will throw it to one of his uh, commentary <laughs> partners. He might ask Nigel to explain <laughs> what a hold does, but it's a rarity for sure. You know what? I really feel bad for. Okay, well, so we have a nice segue here to talk about what I've called low key the weirdest story in wrestling in the last five years, uh, which is Edge trying to get cleared. <laughs> uh, Edge's wife is on the uh, NXT commentary team. <laughs> I really feel bad for Beth. She's just like the nicest lady in the world. And if she had an opportunity to get more repetitions and, you know, just more chance to talk, I feel like she would be getting better in her role. <laughs> and she, mm. like, 
vanity searches and obviously takes it very, takes criticism very personally. And it's like, it's, no, it's not your fault that you're not good and that you're not progressing. It's you're on a show with the most verbose man in wrestling commentary. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Nigel. <laughs> like, they've really put her in a no-win situation. But anyway, yeah, so Edge was apparently in Pittsburgh this week trying to get cleared by WWE, even though he has denied that he has been cleared or tried to get cleared or not sure what his non-denial denial was on Twitter last week, but it was real weird. And then uh, Wrestling Observer reported that WWE believed that Edge negotiated with AEW, and so then they may have panicked and given him a new con- <laughs> a contract. I'm not. This, this is, is like the Baltimore Orioles and Chris Davis right here, bidding against themselves. <laughs> yes, for a guy that no one else probably wants. I mean, I don't know if I was trying to put together a big surprise for you know a wrestling show, and I saw a guy do a spear in the ring at SummerSlam, you know. I don't know. I bu- I could buy that he negotiated with them. I don't think they're, you know, making stuff up. Maybe not. I just, like, would, unless, I don't know, maybe maybe if, if had, wouldn't, does that mean he was already talking to other doctors? Like, if is it a Daniel Bryan situation where he's already gotten the thumbs up from a lot of people and now he's taking that to taking all these other doctors' thumbs up to the WWE doctor? God only knows. That's part of what makes this so weird. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, well, let's just imagine, I mean, we were, you know, we watched live on pay-per-view at his last match, and then a week later he came out on TV and said, I literally can never take another bump again or else I might die. And then not, nine years passed, and suddenly <laughs> he's good? It's real weird, man. I don't want to see him... I don't want to see him wrestle just because I don't think, you know, 47-year-old guys with, who have had broke, multiple broken necks should uh, be wrestling anymore. <laughs> Agreed. And, like, and I understand the the part of it where, like, he didn't get to go out on his terms. But also, like, he went out winning the world championship or retaining the world championship at WrestleMania. And, 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 and like, it's not getting better. And he had a great send-off, too. And also, like, I don't, I can't get inside the guy's head. I don't, can't pretend to know him personally. But it seemed like he was a guy that was kind of low key bitter at the whole glass ceiling and the whole system there, and was like, "Yeah, I was going to do one more year and then get out anyway." Like, it seemed like he was like ready to be done, and this was like kind of a relief. It's like now, yeah. I now you want to go back. <laughs> I don't know, man. Money don't talks, man. I don't know. You get maybe he found out what Sean made for that one uh, Saudi show or something. Did you see what Goldberg made? I did not. It was two million dollars. Wow. Well, yep, that'll do it. I and thought it. I thought it was one million dollars. Nope, two million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll do it. <laughs> that's insane. Like as much. Yeah. I mean, that's. That's a ridiculous amount of money, even for someone who is already rich. Uh, yeah, hard to turn that down for a you know eight minute match, as terrible as it was. Yeah, so Cain Velasquez and uh, Tyson Fury are both on the uh, next Saudi show on Halloween in the afternoon. Thanks. Sud- suddenly, that's the new uh, WrestleMania. By the way, it's a bigger deal than WrestleMania because there's more money in it. Mm-hmm. What a what a weird thing. 
I like the Kane angle at on SmackDown. We talked about that a week ago. Uh, I like the Kane angle, and I think the Tyson Fury thing is like the perfect use of Strowman. But I don't care about a show that's like on a Thursday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, it's on Halloween. Like, just a, not not a super exciting time or, or day for a wrestling show. Yeah. So. Also, there's uh, you know, the, the blood money and the journalists being murdered and all the human rights violations and such. Yeah. All right. The Wednesday Night War. Singular. Yes, it's one more. Uh, NXT and AEW. Uh, I watched AEW. You mostly watched AEW. I thought it was a good show. I thought it was a better show than last week. I thought it was paced um, pretty well up until the main event where then 36,000 things happened. Although I think that's kind of by design. I think they're trying to capture that Nitro main event run-ins fans throwing garbage in the ring, that kind of feel. I think they're yeah. trying to replicate that, and so I understand. At least they're giving but... you a finish before they do the run-ins. Yeah, that's true. Um, Dustin Rose and Hangman Page are already, like, the second best tag team in wrestling in their first <laughs> match together ever. Uh, not a surprise. Um, yeah, that were... might be what were your the thoughts perfect on the show? use for Hangman. Yeah, um, just, you mentioned Dustin and, and Hangman. I'll start there. That might be like the perfect thing for Hangman right now, because I think everybody, uh, you especially, as you've been covering New Japan for a while now, and like everyone who's watched Hangman, I think, and watched him kind of grow from this complete non-entity in Ring of Honor to like a pretty competent, good pro wrestler. And you're like, man, if he turns that switch on and figures out like a character, he's going to be a real big star. And there are worse people that you could kind of set up as like a mentor, uh, both in storyline and maybe out of it, uh, than Dustin Rhodes for him to work with. Yeah, good stuff. What do you think of the uh, the Jericho group with uh, Jake Hagar? The inner circle. Um, I've heard of worse uh, faction names. I thought that was a good use of Jericho. Um, they, I was a little worried when they all came out to talk and it felt like a little bit like a raw promo. But on one hand, they did start with a really hot match first and then do a promo. And also, I thought it was a good use because Jericho sort of introduced it, did a little Jericho shtick, and then introduced all of the group and put them over as killers and tough guys and big stars. And I thought that was really, really good. And it made it made it seem like this isn't just Jericho's four lackeys. Like, these are all stars. These are all big you know, big time main event players and Jake Hager. And, <laughs> and I thought that was a, I thought Jericho's promo was mostly very good other than his line where he's like, Jake Hager's the toughest guy in wrestling. And that's a shoot brother. I was like, I, <laughs> as always, when any time anyone says anything about it being a shoot or legit or anything like that, that uh, grinds my gears. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was good, and uh, yeah, I thought the opening and closing matches were really good, and I wasn't really feeling the Darby Allen-Jimmy Havoc match, or the fact that Darby Allen was going to be wrestling for the world title, but they did, I think, end really well with him. That that skateboard stick really clicks for some reason, and uh, I thought him... St- also, it's just nice that all the baby faces are friends and they all join together to fight off the bad guys. Yeah. 
that was that was nice and like we don't see that very often in wrestling anymore. So that was nice. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that match either. <laughs> it's like it's the two ultra violence guys and they did no violence. <laughs> yeah, and like there's the just a lot of was t- fighting. Yeah, the, like the commentary was talking about that like, oh, these men want to show that they're not all they're not only about hardcore wrestling that they can go out there and and grapple with the best of them. And I'm like, maybe just play to your strengths. <laughs> because Jimmy Havoc, the wrestler, uh, not nearly as interesting as Jimmy Havoc, the guy who swallows thumbtacks and, yeah. you know, does crazy stuff. Um, so, yeah, I didn't think that was great. I thought the women's match was all right. <laughs> Britt Baker is just constantly being hurt by B. Priestley. <laughs> and she got a big black guy in their uh, scuffles tonight. And I guess they set up... Uh, Brit, Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, versus uh, versus Riho for the title. Yeah, but first, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Never mind. I think B Priestley's hurt because she hasn't done anything in the ring <laughs> either week so far. Yeah, she's uh, yeah, that that kind of seems to make sense. But um, yeah, overall, I thought it was a, a very watchable show. I appreciated pretty much everything was either a plug for the pay-per-view or a plug for something on the show, either next week or in the coming weeks. So big thumbs up to that. Didn't feel like they wasted any time. Speaking of wasting things, um, why do they give Tully Blanchard, a guy that has <laughs> not been on television in almost 30 years, why did they give him to the biggest loser in wrestling, Sean well, he's Spears? He's not the biggest loser because he married Peyton Royce. But I said in wrestling, not in life. <laughs> and we are experts on both wrestling and life here. So That's right. It's the name of the show. That's right. Hey, that's the name of the show. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I was thinking about that. I tweeted about that as much. Uh Either you need to give Tully, like, a stable of guys, yeah. or you need to have him just, like, Sean Spears needs to lose again next week, and Tully just needs to, like, slap him in the face and tell him I'm done with you, and he needs to go manage Pack or somebody. I'd really like, I'd really like to see Sean Spears get kicked in the balls repeatedly on national television. <laughs> I feel like it's not an impossibility. Maybe put him in a match with uh, Dustin, and I could see that happening. Sure. No reason. Uh, okay, NXT saw Walter beat Kushida, Leo Rush win the Cruiserweight title. Am I missing anything? Uh, Roderick Strong and Isaiah Swerve Scott had a had a pretty good little TV mm-hmm. match as well. Okay. All right. <laughs> and so, they did an angle where the Velveteen Dream uh, said that Roderick Strong has a small penis. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, that's that's something. So, are they going to uh, they going to lose the Wednesday Night War again this week? I think so. Well, that was some of the drama that didn't turn out to be all that dramatic. But uh, with the the uh, baseball games potentially delaying, uh, if if the if the one game had went long, then the second uh, National League uh, divisional round would have aired on TNT until it was over. So there's a little bit of worry, I guess, that AEW was going to end up airing on, like, True TV tonight. Or uh, the night, tonight, I say the night we record this. Um, 
But that obviously didn't happen. So yes, I suspect that AEW will, will win again, especially because their audience was not at all hurt by baseball last week. Yeah, I watched the show on True TV just because I didn't want to be flipping back and forth in case the one game ran long. Yeah, and then um, I think the one game ended up eight, ending at like eight twenty, and the next game didn't start till eight thirty five or something like that. So it wasn't really it wasn't down to the minute or anything, but it certainly looked like it could be. Uh, a potential issue for them, but since it wasn't, I I, I wouldn't in fact expect that uh, that uh, AEW will win the night again. All right, um, Monday morning uh, is uh, King of Pro Wrestling, um, Okada and Sonata for the IWGP title, and Ibushi and Evil for the right to challenge for the IWGP title at the Tokyo Dome, and the match, uh, the well, uh, um, the next chapter in the greatest feud in wrestling in 2019, uh, Minoru Suzuki against Jushin Thunder Liger. Yes. Uh, this show, it's a three match show to me. Um, I don't necessarily need to see Okada and Sonata anymore. Bushi and Evil will be great, and Liger and Suzuki are gonna just—they might stab each other. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always great when there's a chance of real violence breaking out, and yeah, it, I'm excited for that. It, it's such a that thing has such a different feel to it, and it's all because Liger pulled a knife on Suzuki <laughs> a few weeks ago. When you, it's just a different energy, man. When you, all of a sudden you get to see all this fake violence, and then somebody pulls out a knife, it's like, whoa, this is red. And yeah. Maybe somebody pulls out a handgun next. I don't know. But I'm excited for it, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And I think also on that show is uh, Osprey and El Phantasmo again. Yeah. So I, I know you, you're you still <laughs> upset that no one remembers their best match from the Super Juniors <laughs> tournament. But it's fine. I'll, I'll look forward to seeing that those two guys mix it up again. Um, yeah, that looks like an incredible card on paper, on paper though. I, I understand if you're not super excited about another Okada Sonata match, but um, it's going to be like at minimum really good. So it's hard to hard to uh, not be excited for me at least uh, for another you know big time heavyweight title defense from Okada. So yeah, what a what a bonkers great time for professional wrestling this is. Sure is. All right. Uh, anything else you want to get into? No, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, it's going to be weird figuring out days to record this on. I think we're going to stick with our like Wednesdays and Thursdays because that's just how our lives are working out right now. Yeah, so we're always good. kind of going to be like either just behind or just in front of something that could be newsworthy. Yeah. But that's just kind of how it works with a weekly show when the shows are more spread out than they have been. So we will we will live and learn and figure it out. Sure, and we won't go skiing. All right, till next time. I'm Ethan. <laughs> Lonely. And we'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Okay, monkey boy, I'll see you at the bars. <laughs>
The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. I don't I don't know where I heard I heard someone say we live we learn we don't go skiing one time and now I say it and it doesn't make any sense like it's the biggest non it's the biggest non sequitur ever but yeah, I didn't get it at all but it made me laugh <laughs> we live we learn we don't go skiing <laughs> I don't I don't know man I don't I might, might be saying something perverse I don't know uh, I don't know. Sounds like it could be from the Veggie Tales, where Bob the Tomato ended up crashing into a tree, and then he said he wanted to play Mousetrap, because no one gets hurt when you play Mousetrap. Yes, that is accurate, in fact. I try to keep on keeping on.